All right, folks, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd, I'd like for you to uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. We're going to continue along in our series that we've been doing uh, entitled um, You're Not Alone. And so we're going to look at one other aspect of Jesus' discussion from the upper room, although at this point I'm sure he is as far as where he is in his journey on that night, he has actually left the upper room and is on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. But we're going to look at something today that really has relevance for you and I for another issue that really causes us to think that we're alone in this world. And it has to do with our witness. You know, I, I shared with you earlier Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where he said, and you will have power when the Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses to him to, in Jerusalem, Judea, and the outermost parts of the world. You and I as believers, whether you realize it or not, we're not just believers, followers of Christ. We are witnesses of Christ to a dying world. And we understand that, and, and we know that as we share our faith in this world, as we maybe not even share it vocally sometimes, but as we live our lives out, not everybody's happy about your faith. Not everybody's happy about your Christianity. And, and what happens typically because of that, because most of the world does not know him, we're, there, is a, there is a sense of isolation. There is a sense of feeling alone. And, and to be honest with you, we don't like rejection. Because that happens quite a lot. There is a lot of rejection towards Christ. And so we want to talk about that today. We want to look at a few verses, verses 20 to 27, and see what Jesus says about that in hopes that we understand that even as we live our lives for Christ, as we live out our faith before others, before our unsaved loved ones and, and, and our unsaved friends, and even those that we work with or even those that we just casually come in contact with, that you don't feel alone. You were never meant to be alone. And there's some powerful truths here that you and I need to embrace. Some powerful truths that you and I need to consider. And so I want us to look together. We're going to start with verse 20 in John chapter 15. And I want you to see what Jesus is saying. Verse 20, he says this. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they did not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would, not, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. 
But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So folks, what we're going to do is, is we're going to take this passage, verse 20 to 27, and we're going to basically divide it into three sections. We're going to see, first of all, the reality that Jesus is expressing. You and I need to understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a certain reality that we have to cope with. And I'll talk about that in a moment. We're going to then move a little further along in Jesus' discussion in these verses, and we're going to see how he describes his witness, or should I say the reaction to his witness. And that's going to be very important that you and I understand that Jesus had a certain reaction to his witness by the people at that time. And then we're going to see what we have been noticing all along, again, is our helper, the one who comes alongside of us. The Greek word is parakletos. We don't have an equivalent for that in our English, but it's translated several different ways, counselor, helper, comforter, someone who comes alongside of us in this world because we're not alone. And that's especially true when we talk about living out our lives for Jesus in a world that doesn't care for Jesus, then ultimately rejects what you believe. And so we're going to take a look at that. So let's, let's start off first with the reality. We're going to see that in verses 20 and 21. So let me just kind of read that to you again. Verse 20 and 21. Listen to what Jesus says about the reality you and I face. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is no, not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they did not know him who sent me. Now, this is something you and I are going to need to grasp. Because right now in Christendom, well, I should say in American Christendom, we have a really false concept that we can just, that everybody's going to like us, that everybody's going to like Christianity, that everybody's going to like Jesus. If we just present it in the right way, who can reject Jesus? But the sad thing is, folks, the number of people who are rejecting Jesus is the same as the number of people who were rejecting Jesus 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. People reject Jesus. That's a reality. Most of them do. Well, you say, well, it's the religious people in the Gospels that rejected Jesus. Well, that's not necessarily true, folks. There were others, yes, they accepted Jesus. They, they, they were happy about Jesus, but that was because of what they could get out of Jesus at that moment. But then later, when you see when Pilate presents Jesus to the, to the multitude, to the masses of Jerusalem, 
and asked him who should they should he release Barabbas or Jesus they rejected Jesus in fact they called for him to be crucified this is the one that they were looking forward to bringing them bread to bringing them healing of their sicknesses what's going on here well Jesus is going to express to us Several things here in these two verses that are going to help you and I see the reality. Because the fact of the matter is, folks, let's just be honest. You love Jesus. You live for Jesus. You are a follower of Jesus. Jesus has brought salvation to your life. Jesus interacts with you. Jesus answers your prayers. Jesus is with you. But when you express that to others, whether they be family members friends, people you work with, people you just come in contact with. They don't accept him. Therefore, they don't accept you. So here's three things I want you to see here. Number one, we cannot expect to have it easier than Jesus. That's reality. That's what he's saying here. That's what he says. A servant is not greater than his master. You and I are servants to the ultimate master, Jesus. And if Jesus was rejected, if Jesus was mocked, if Jesus was laughed at, you can't have it any better than that. We, we need to quit living with that delusion that it's going to be easier for us. We want it to be easier. In fact, we have, I would say, prophets within our Christendom today that tell us that, oh, we just need to do this and be this and do this, and people will like us. People are not going to like you because they don't like your Jesus. They don't like what you stand for. And, and, but this is a Christian nation. No, it's not. It's a Gentile nation. The reality is, even those who say they're Christian, they may not be Christian, and they reject Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't expect to have it easier than Jesus. That's not possible. In fact, that's not even the testimony of the Scripture. Every chapter in the New Testament, well, I would say every chapter from Genesis until now talks about the godly suffering at the hands of the ungodly. You can't expect to have it easier than Jesus. Here's the second thing I, I, I want you to see, is that people will respond to us just like they responded to Jesus. People will respond to you and I just like they responded to Jesus. And actually what he does here in verse 20 is, is he gives us a couple of responses. He says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, that's a positive response, they will also keep you yours you and i should not expect a different reaction here's the reality in jesus's day the majority rejected and we understand why second corinthians chapter 4 it's not that our gospel is veiled paul says but what that the god of this age has blinded their eyes to truth the majority rejected. And here's the thing. Here we are, 2,000 years later, 
We just can't expect that everybody's going to be like, oh, this is what I've been wanting all of my life. No, no, they are going to reject because they don't see it. In fact, they say to you, are you crazy? Do you literally believe that? Do you believe that, especially now in Christmas, you're celebrating a, a virgin birth? Really? What kind of mythology is that? People will respond to us just like they responded to Jesus. And see, the other thing about the reality is the reason why they respond that way, he tells us here in this third point I want you to see about the reality is this, is they rejected him because they did not know the Lord. They don't believe. Well, you know, George, if we could just present it in a way, then they will believe. No, folks, that's not how it is. A lot of times the reason why they don't believe is not because there's not enough facts. It's because they don't want to believe. They don't want to believe that there is a God that they have to answer to. Because we live in a world of people who don't want to answer to anyone but themselves. We live in a world filled with the chief of all sins, pride. They don't want a God who has to tell them, no, this is not the way to go. I, I know what's better for you. They, they don't want someone telling them. It's, it, it's kind of like how we reject those in authority above us because we know better. They reject him because they do not know the Lord. They reject us because they do not know the Lord. They do not want to believe. That's ultimately the issue. It's not that there's not enough evidence or, or to be seen that there is a God. It's because they don't want to believe. That's reality. Now, now, why is this so important for you and I as we, we talk about the whole issue of you and I not being alone? Because the reality is, is as you and I live our lives out for Jesus, intentionally or not intentionally, you're living your life out. You're living out your faith. You, you love Jesus. You put your faith in Jesus, and you're living out your life. And then there, you're, I'm often surprised that people who just flat out reject like, what did I do? It's not what you did. It's who you serve, who you belong to. That's why they're rejecting. This is the reality. It's not something that's wrong with you. You're not alone in this. Just like they rejected Jesus, they will reject you. And we, uh, I'll be honest with you, we don't like that. I don't like that. But that's reality. And to further help us understand that, Jesus goes on then in verses 22 through 25, and he goes on to tell us about his witness. What is it about his witness that drew their ire? What is it about their wit his witness that created the problem? And believe me, folks, it created a problem. 
as long as he was feeding them and healing them and casting out demons from those who were demon-possessed and raising their dead, they were happy. But then there was something else about him that caused them to what? Reject him. So let's take a look here. We're going to look at the witness. Let's first start off at verse 22. Jesus' witness if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Here's what I want you to see. The first thing I want you to see about Jesus' witness is this. Jesus came and exposed the reality of their sin. Now, I, I just want to point out to you, just so you understand, when you read through the Gospels, <clears throat> Jesus didn't walk around and, and finger point at everybody. Quit doing this. You're not right. You're not doing... He didn't do that. But it was his very presence that exposed the reality of sin. What do you mean? Well, remember, in the beginning of their ministry, when Jesus meets Peter... Peter had been fishing all night. They caught nothing. Jesus gets in the boat with him, and he tells him, you know, cast out your net. Oh, master, you know, we fished all night, but if you want me to do that, he says, okay, cast it over here, and they cast out the nets, and, and they catch this great horde of fish. And what is amazing from the passage, as they're calling over another boat with, with James and John to get in this this catch that was so innumerable that was going to break their nets. Notice how Peter responds. Peter falls on his knees and says, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a wicked man. Now, when you read the passage, I'll just be honest with you. There is nothing in the passage where Jesus says to him, you're not doing right, Peter. But it's the very presence of Jesus that causes them to realize their sinfulness. That's the nature of his life. That's what he's saying here in this passage. He, he says in verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. It's not that they didn't have sin. It's that their sin wouldn't be exposed. He exposed their sin by his presence. Folks, you could quietly live your life out at work and you're not a Bible banger. You're not some guy who points the fingers at other people and says to them, you're not doing right on this and this, that, or another. You, you could just quietly live your life out. And, and your life, they reject you because they know you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, whether you like it or not, the way you live your life exposes their sin, and they don't like that. They reject it. They're angry about that. 
I've had that happen many times through the years in the 30-some years of walking with Christ, and I just shake my head and I don't understand. It's not like I'm intentionally trying to take people off. It's not like I'm trying to intentionally create a problem in the workplace or create a problem in a friend group or create a problem in a family group. It's that your presence, like Jesus, exposes the reality of sin. That's what's going on here. You and I need to understand that. Here, here's the second thing. Jesus points out this. Look at verse 23 and 24. If I had not come and spoke, excuse me, verse 22 and 23 and 24. He who hates me hates my father. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. Here's what I want you to see. In spite of all that he did, they rejected him. I think the most amazing thing is if you go back just a few chapters in John to chapter 11, you see the raising of Lazarus. That is amazing. Somebody's dead in the grave three days. He calls him out of the grave, breathes life back into him, loose him and set him free. The very next chapter you find out that they're trying to kill Lazarus and Jesus because of the miracle. They rejected him. In spite of all that he did. See, this is something you and I have to understand. We have this concept today that if we do enough good things, people will like us. If we do enough good things as a church, people will accept us. People will embrace us because of look at what we're doing. Folks, you can do all the right things and people will still be irritated with you. People will still reject you. Because they rejected Jesus. And, and let's be honest, we can't do the things that Jesus did. In spite of all that he did, they rejected him. Wow. Here's the third thing I want you to see here about Jesus' witness. And, and that's the reality of this. Look at verse 25. It says this, but this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which was written in their law. They hated me without cause. Now here is the reality of Jesus' witness that you and I need to grasp for our lives. And that's this, their rejection was not unexpected. Jesus understood they would reject him. Jesus understood that they would crucify him. Jesus understood that if they rejected him, they would reject us. Listen, folks, all you got to do is read through the Old Testament. Read through the callings of the prophets. I think it's always amazing to me when you think of some of the great prophets. You think of Jeremiah or you think of Isaiah. You think of others and, and they are basically told, you will go and do this, but they won't listen to you. But I'll be with you. They won't listen to you. But I'll be with you. Seeing, they won't see. Hearing, they won't hear. Their rejection is not 
unexpected. Listen, folks, you and I need to accept. We, we have this concept that if I just share it the right way, then everybody will embrace my Jesus and everything will be okay. And we have this unrealistic expectation that the masses will turn to Jesus. Oh, and everything will be wonderful it's not going to be wonderful because the reality of Scripture is, is the masses will reject him. Because we bring words of life that is life to those who accept. But Paul tells us also that we bring words of death. Condemnation for those who reject. This is Jesus' witness. Well, you say, okay, great, George. It's wonderful to grasp the reality. It's great to grasp this whole issue of the witness, but I still feel alone. I still feel alone as I go out and I live my life, and I'm living my life quietly before them. I still feel alone. Well, I think Jesus understood that. Jesus understands that we don't like rejection. Jesus understands we don't like what the anger that is expressed towards us because of our belief and our faith. Jesus then doesn't leave us alone in this. He sent someone else, our helper, the Holy Spirit. So notice with me verse 26 and 27. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, two things I want you to see here. Two things that will help you to understand that when we talk about living our lives out before others, especially our witness, you need to understand that you are not alone in this. Here it is. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit was sent to testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit was sent to testify about Jesus. Now, we're going to see this a little bit further when we get into John chapter 16 about what that testimony is. But what I want you to see is, is that what I want you to understand that Jesus is helping you to understand is that when you and I live our lives out before others, the Spirit who lives within us is testifying of Jesus through our lives, through our words. How many times have I struggled in the past? Maybe you have. Oh, I didn't say the right thing. If I had only said this, then maybe they would have turned. Folks, it's not your, it's not the way you present it. It's the testimony of the Spirit. He is the one who opens minds. He is the one who opens hearts. He is the one who shows people the truth. You and I are simply vehicles. We are partners in the relationship of sharing, but it's the Spirit who is sent to testify of Jesus, and he expresses that out of our lives. You and I need to see that. You're not alone in your witness. You're not alone as you live your life out. It'll change the way you pray if you realize that. It'll change the way you pray, especially when you understand that people are not responding to you because their eyes are blinded. It, it changed the way I pray. Lord, 
Lord, would you open their eyes? Would your spirit open their eyes? Would your spirit speak to them? Would your spirit make sense to my words to them? How many of you have ever talked to somebody and they just don't see what you are saying? It's very obvious to you, but it's not obvious to them because they're blind. My friends, the only way that they'll see is if the Spirit works in their heart because he is the one who was sent to testify about Jesus. That's the first thing I want you to see about the helper. You're not alone. And with that, that comes to our second point. We share in that testimony about Jesus to this world. We have a part in this. That's what he's saying here in verse 27. And you also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You and I share too. The Spirit is with us speaking and testifying of Jesus, but we are the vessels which he uses. To help people to see, if they will see. But understanding that many won't. You're not alone. You are not alone as a believer. I want you to grasp that reality. This is what's so powerful. So you'd say, okay, George, all right, so I understand, I understand the reality that just like they rejected Jesus, they're going to reject me. I understand the, the nature of his witness. I see the same thing in my own life. I understand I have a helper. How, how, do I, how do I bring this all together in my life? Well, let me just kind of close with this one statement that we've been looking at for the last several weeks, and that's this. You have to start seeing the bigger picture of your faith. You have to start seeing the bigger picture of your faith. Christianity is not a service to attend. Christianity is a relationship with the living God who is with you always. And you are an a instrument in his hand to tell others about Christ. Now you know that others will reject you and you understand that, but you're not alone. He is always with you. Bearing witness of Christ. So you need to begin to have a different view of your life as a believer. I hope you'll start seeing that in your own life. Let me pray for you.